Within the early morning and the afternoon on the last day of our Savior's life on this earth, he met four men for the first time. These four men, I think, have lessons to teach us as we come near to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is meant to bring us in tune with God again and to bring us in tune with each other and with the fellowship that we need in order to be good servants of the Lord Jesus. I can still remember reading years and years ago a story from Lloyd C. Douglas, the great British writer. He told of how his early struggles in the university, he had gone back to the music department, and he saw a crusty old music teacher that had taught him years before. The man looked frustrated with the day's activities and hard work that he had gone through in college. And Douglas said to him, what's the good news for the day? And he said the old maestro looked him in the eye, without saying a word, picked up a mallet and walked over to a tuning fork and hit the tuning fork. And as it vibrated its message, he said, that, my friend, is A. He said, it was A yesterday. It is A today. It will be A tomorrow. And if the world stands a thousand years, it'll still be A. He said, that soprano over my head may warble off key. That piano in the next room is maddeningly out of tune. This tenor is flatting on his high notes. But that, he said as he hit the tuning fork, is A. And that's the good news for the day. Well, I claim that this, let's let this A on Worldwide Communion Sunday stand for atonement. Let's see how we stack up with the Lord in comparison with four people who met him and thought about the meaning of his death on that day in which he died. The first of these four men was Pilate. Now I want to read you just a couple of paragraphs from the Gospel according to John. They led Jesus, therefore, from Caiaphas into the Praetorium and it was early, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Notice the niceties of their religious observance while they're doing something as desperately as killing the Son of God. Pilate therefore went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. Pilate therefore said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was said that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he had spoken, signifying by what kind of death he was to die. Pilate therefore entered again into the praetorium and summons Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative 
or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you up to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate therefore said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this reason I have been born, and for this cause have I come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in this man. But you have a custom that I should let free some one of you at the Passover. Do you wish that I should set free for you the king of the Jews? They therefore cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. This is the first man, this Pilate. One time Jesus had been speaking in praise of John the Baptist. And he said about John the Baptist, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking with the wind. He said, What did you go out into the wilderness to hear? He said this to the crowds of people who heard John the Baptist preach. Did you want to see a man with soft raiment? Behold, those who wear soft raiment are in king's palaces. But Jesus said, what did you go to hear? You went to hear a prophet. And yet I say to you that John the Baptist is more than a prophet. Well, when Jesus said, those who wear soft clothing live in king's houses, he was describing something of the conscience of Pontius Pilate. His conscience had been relaxed and softened as time and again he had made decisions that came out in favor of himself. Pilate, when he stood before Jesus, said to him, Don't you know that I have the power to release you and I have the power to put you to death? And Jesus said to Pilate, you could have no power were it not given to you by my Father in heaven. Pilate said he had power. Power to put him to death or power to set him free. But really, Pilate did not have that power. He had sold his soul by compromising his conscience again and again and again. And when the great moment of truth came, he didn't have the power to do what was right. He made short shrift of the decision when they said, the Jews said to him, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Pilate then delivered him 
to be crucified. And so this is a lesson that is meant to teach us. Have you ever compromised in your loyalty to Christ to avoid the loss of personal gain? Only you can answer the question. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You were there if you did. The second of those two that met Jesus on that early morning hour was Herod. Herod had enjoyed seeing John the Baptist preach. Herod had had John the Baptist arrested. Herod, because of the sensual dance of a lascivious woman in a drunken, riotous orgy, had delivered John the Baptist to be killed by beheading, and his head was to be taken to the woman who had danced in his presence. This same Herod is now before Jesus. And Herod is thinking, I have heard that he does miracles. Maybe he'll do a miracle for me. But as the old Negro spiritual puts it, he never said a mumbling word. Not a word. Not a word. Not a word. Sometimes the silence of God is the surest stroke that his judgment takes. Be careful about hardening your heart to where you have to have the sensational to wake you up to God. Be obedient. Just be obedient. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and to obey. Jesus has no message for those who merely wish to watch and make no commitment of themselves to him. Herod's religion was simple. It was a means of passing time. What's yours? I talked to one of my sons who is a Greek scholar this morning down in Alabama at a seminary. We went over some Greek words that I wanted to be certain about the derivation of before I spoke. And I said, tell me about koinonia. Koinonia is the word for fellowship. And I said, we call communion fellowship. We come to communion. And I said, is this communication with each other and with God? And he said, yes, but it is not passive. It's not just a feeling. But he said it is a participation. You must participate. 
That means that when you take up the bread or take up the cup, that you identify yourself with Jesus Christ and you are willing to be a part of his service and his kingdom. The old Scots church that I used to preach in in Edinburgh always took a, uh, on communion Sunday, they put some people at the back of the church and they took what was called a retiring offering. It was called a poor fund. When we participate in the work of Christ, they felt that out of recognition for this, some sacrifice extra ought to be made and that that would be taken and given to people who need it. Our sweet friends from Russia have needs. And we participate with Christians such as they are who were persecuted for their faith in a Muslim state in Russia who because of their love for Jesus had to endure the shame of the cross but also the glory of the cross. And so we are glad to be helpful to them. Herod, Jesus never spoke to him. There was a third person that Jesus met. I can read you just one verse that tells his story. This is when the cross, when they're trudging toward the cross. And they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, that he might bear his cross. Simon of Cyrene seems to have been a black man. Simon of Cyrene, when he got up that morning, never dreamed that he was going to be slapped by a Roman soldier's sword and told to pick up the cross of Jesus. You don't know when you get up in the morning what's going to happen before night falls. What may be bitter or unpleasant thing may happen to you or what great and good opportunity might happen to you. Simon of Cyrene got to pick up the cross of Jesus and bear it for his glory. I love this, that you can take a task that seems mighty unpleasant and very hard, but if it's born for the Lord Jesus, it can be born for his glory. That same boy that I talked to this morning took me around Cambridge University one time, and he showed me Simeon's Walk, for there had been a great professor at Cambridge whose name was Charles Simeon. He had come from the home of an unbelieving wealthy merchant who had sent him to fine schools and then up to Cambridge. 
He knew nothing whatever about God or faith in Jesus Christ. But he was told that all of the incoming students at Cambridge were to be at communion. He did not understand the meaning of communion and went to a secondhand book stall and bought a little book on communion and read about it. How Jesus had died for his sins. How he had been raised from the dead and how it was fellowship with this suffering Savior. And this man, Charles Simeon, became a Christian. He became a member of the Anglican Church. He was made the preacher at the church there at Cambridge. Because he believed the gospel and the miracles and the verities of the Christian faith, he was ridiculed and marked, mocked. People got up and walked out of his service. They put him down. They said like that wrestler this week in Minnesota says that people who are religious are just a sham. It's a place for weaklings. As far as I'm concerned, he's been thrown on his head too much. Uh, it'll take him about three weeks with the press and they'll teach you about him. Well, when Charles Simeon was mocked, one day in his prayers and his devotion, he was weeping and feeling sorry for himself. And he said, Lord Jesus, I can't take this anymore. They call me stupid. They walk out of my service. They have nothing to do with me. And then he had his Greek New Testament and he opened it. And the place to which he opened it said, And they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, that he might bear his cross. And then he thought, I have the honor to bear the cross of Jesus. Because that Simon was his same name. He was Simeon, Charles Simeon. And in Greek, it's the same. Charles Simon. And he thought, I am Simon, and I can bear the cross of Jesus. And when he took up that cross, he could say with old Samuel Rutherford that the cross of Jesus is the sweetest burden that ever I bore. It is such a burden as sails are to a ship and wings are to a bird. Has anything turned you into a real disciple? One who learns and is disciplined by Jesus. Simon was a respectable citizen. 
But the last man that met Jesus was a pest of whom society would readily rid itself. He was a thief. He was superstitious. We don't know what he had done, but we do know that he rebuked the other thief who had railed against Jesus. And somehow that man in his suffering called out to Jesus, Lord, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said the greatest thing he ever said to a living soul. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. When Jesus went home to glory, he didn't have the moderator of the general assembly with him. He didn't have the greatest theologian that had ever lived. He had a poor thief that said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Savior took that sinner home. Instantly, Jesus, who never said a word to King Herod, granted the plea of a criminal. Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Have you reached out to Jesus just to ask him in simple faith, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Take me and make me what I ought to be. I want to give as much of myself as I know how to give to as much of him as I can understand. A while ago when the elders met back in the back, One of my friends laughed at me about my stole. Let me tell you about this. I've caused two or three church fights by not wearing these. <laughs> but I got a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful niece that loves me very much. She worked about a year making this. It means a lot to me. And I wanted to wear it. So when someone teased me, I can take that kind of teasing. You can take it because of the love that comes to you. You take it because of the love of Jesus. One of the most moving and powerful men on the face of the earth today is Pope John Paul II. I think historians will look back and say that this man, along with Alexander Solzhenitsyn, really caused Mr. Gorbachev to tear down that wall in Berlin. I can remember a little gray-headed man with a wisp of hair and skinny as a rail speaking at Lausanne in 1974, saying that Solzhenitsyn had planted a seed that was like a seed and a facade of marble that would split the communist system wide open. That was Malcolm Muggeridge, and he was dead right. 
And when John Paul, who had been the bishop in Krakow in Poland, and who knew all about the horrors of Hitler and the Nazis and Auschwitz, was allowed to go back to Poland for the first time when he was Pope. The communist dictator general, I can't ever say his name, Yatrolaski, uh, wore sunglasses and a military uniform all the time. I remember the Western reporters said that they watched him very carefully because the Pope insisted on conducting mass. That's a form of the Lord's Supper. Over the railroad tracks that went into Auschwitz. And one reporter said that he looked at the dictator general and saw his knees knocking when the Pope was speaking of Jesus, broken body, shed blood for our sins. What else could you have done on the railroad track into Auschwitz that would not have been made fun of? What else can take away the devil's power? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so we come to this feast today. You take it. It's yours. It's for sinners. He was the word, Jesus, who spake it. He was the bread, Jesus, who break it. And what that word does make it, I do believe and take it. That we may be sure of the reality of your great love for us and of the work and grace of the Holy Spirit in our minds and hearts. Help us to reach out and take this feast in faith, to believe and to live for your glory. For Jesus' sake, amen.